The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. For those of you who are new listeners, welcome and a brief introduction about myself. I've been playing Fantasy Premier League from the very beginning. I was doing some research today and I discovered it was the 2002-2003 season and this will be my 21st campaign, which is crazy. I managed to achieve three top 500 finishes in four years a couple of years ago and have been striving to get another one since. Hopefully this will be my year. The last three FPL seasons have been a bit chaotic with COVID wreaking havoc, but I did manage to have three pretty good campaigns, 10.1k last season, 48k in 2021 and 21k the year before that. Since August 2018, FPL content creation has been my full-time job. I'm extremely lucky to be able to call my passion my job and long may it continue. Every Monday this season, aside from the international breaks, you'll get a 30-minute podcast from me with all you need to know ahead of the upcoming game week to aid you with your FPL decisions. You'll also get more content later in the week on Thursdays or Fridays. We're still figuring out exactly what that will involve, so watch this space. The format of the Monday podcast when the season begins will be pretty similar to last season. A quick gaming review, a watchlist update, questions answered from Twitter, and then captaincy and transfer discussion for the weekend's matches. Players who get the dreaded 59 minutes will get a shout out as is tradition. Today's podcast is going to be 10 tips for FPL success and I'm also going to answer some of the burning questions that you have sent in via Twitter. If you'd like to become an Athletic subscriber, which I highly recommend doing so, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod to avail of the latest discount offer for new subscribers, which is just £1 a month at the moment. So take advantage of that, theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod. Before I get into the 10 tips, I should mention I released a podcast a couple of weeks ago when FPL launched for the first time. I put together a 50-man watch list for Game Week 1, so if you haven't heard that one already, go back and listen to that one as well. Tip number one, don't overdo it with the Game Week 1 tinkering. So... If you're listening to this podcast quite close to the new season, it might be too late for this tip. But if you are listening, if there's still 10 or more days to game week one, my advice always at this time of the season is to stay away as much as you can from the FPL website and the FPL app. It's great fun playing around with drafts, tinkering till your heart's content. But what ends up happening is you'll have every single player in your team at some point during the summer. And then you'll be left very frustrated in game week one and game week two when the players you did have at one point in your drafts do well and you don't have them in your squad. So what I like to do in pre-season is to try and stay away from the website itself. I'll have one or two tinkers, but I won't do any deep tinkering until maybe two or three days before the season starts. What I like to do is just absorb information, keep an eye on what's happening in pre-season, not that... I put too much weight on you know who's scoring, who's assisting. It's more about who's playing, 
you know, who's getting the minutes, who's fit, which kind of formations managers are using and stuff, in particular new managers to the league and new teams. So, you know, by all means, listen to podcasts, watch FPL videos on YouTube, read lots of content, FPL content, read the content on The Athletic, which is really good for kind of honing in on players for game week one as well. But don't tinker too much. That is one of my main pieces of advice today. I've learned over the years, the less that you do in terms of tinkering in the summertime, I think it benefits you in the long run because what will happen to people that you see now posting teams on Twitter every day for the, for three or four weeks before the season starts, they'll end up burnt out by Christmas time and that is not a good way to be. So like I say, come into it maybe two or three days before the season starts and that's when you really start to play around with players, formations and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of build up an idea in the meantime of what your squad might look like and what players you are interested in. Very, very important, the day before the season starts, so the Thursday and Friday of the week that the season starts, those press conferences from managers are very, very important. If you're new to FPL, every Thursday and Friday, all 20 managers sit down and get asked questions by the press, and that can be quite useful in terms of injuries and stuff like that for our FPL decisions. So wait for that information, obviously, before you lock in your team for game week one. Tip number two, make sure your Game Week 1 squad has a flexible team structure. So what I mean here is when you do start building drafts and you get closer to finalizing your Game Week 1 team, one of the things you need to ask yourself is, is this structure flexible? Can I get to most players in the game within one transfer, maximum two transfers? So you've got to try and keep a flexible squad structure. So a couple of examples there would be lots of people are talking about going big at the back this season with lots of expensive defenders. I do like that idea. But if you go for, let's say you go for five defenders that are all six million and above, that can make things quite tricky. If a couple of mid-price midfielders emerge or mid-price forwards, it can be quite hard to make the switch if you have five very expensive defenders. So maybe the best thing to do there would be, for me, I think if you're going big at the back, I think you go four pretty expensive defenders and then maybe a cheap one like Nico Williams at four million or even a 4.5 for the bench. Another example there would be, you know, don't put too much cash into your strikers. So an example there would be, if you're new to the game, you might want to pick Kane, Holland and Vardy. And they're all very, very expensive. I would advise there going a maximum of two very expensive strikers, maybe even just one, because it leaves things more flexible for the long term. Now, this season is slightly different because we can be more aggressive in the early game weeks because we are likely to use our first wildcard earlier because we get unlimited transfers after the World Cup. So team structure maybe not as important as it was in previous seasons in game week one because you probably will wildcard quite early and you can get out of any issues that you have but do keep flexibility in mind when you are sense checking your final game week one squad something i like to do is use price points you'll hear people on podcasts and articles and stuff talking about price points during pre-season so the idea there would be you kind of designate a certain amount of cash across each of the four positions and you use price points so for example Gabriel Jesus is at a nice price point of 8 million in attack. If you pick him and things don't work out, you can very easily jump down to a you know 7.5 or a 7 million striker, even down to Mitrovic at 6.5 after a couple of game weeks. Another thing to keep in mind here as well is 
it can be a good idea sometimes to leave 0.5 million in the bank in game week one now if the squad that you really really want costs 100 million just spend it and don't worry about leaving cash in the bank but if you can having 0.5 million in the bank when it comes to making a transfer in game week two can be quite useful for example there's lots of really good 8 million midfielders this season Saka, Mount, Kulisevsky, Luis Diaz most of us are probably going to have at least one of them let's say you go for Luis Diaz game week one and you don't have any cash in the bank let's say if he picks up a hamstring injury and Mason Mount scores a brace for Chelsea in game week one very quickly Mason Mount will become 8.1 maybe even 8.2 million and you might be forced to make your transfer on a Saturday night rather than waiting until Friday which is what I like to do so if you have that 0.5 million wiggle room in your bank it gives you a bit of patience and it can buy you a bit of patience between game week one game week two or even between game week two game week three so if you can you know you don't have to spend every single penny and if you are leaving some cash in the bank i think 0.5 is enough i don't think you need to leave any more than that tip number three focus on fixtures and proven fpl assets for game week one so when you look at the fixtures this season we're quite lucky because lots of the best teams in the league have great fixtures so what you're going to see is a lot of fpl teams in game week one that will have eight nine maybe even ten players from the top four or five teams from last season and it's doable because fpl have been very kind with the player prices so when we go into a new season we don't really have any solid information to go on apart from last season a little bit from pre-season so for me it's always about fixtures and i tend to stick to proven fpl assets before i take any gambles on new players to the league now there probably is one exception this season holland is one of the best players in the world he's joining one of the best teams in the world who are coached by one of the best managers in the world so i would not put anybody off picking holland in their game week one team but i think he's probably the only new player to the league that has any chance of being in my game week one team so focus on the fixtures and proven picks in game week one if we look at a fixture ticker manchester city liverpool chelsea arsenal and tottenham are all in the top seven for fixture difficulty over the first four game weeks along with aston villa and wolves so when you mention those first five teams pretty solid picks for game week one are, are the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Salah, Robertson, Cancelo, Kevin De Bruyne, Rhys James, Mason Mount, Saka and Jesus in Arsenal and Son and Kane at Tottenham. So if you build your squad around a core of those players you're setting yourself up for a pretty steady start to the season and then once we have a couple of weeks of info and maybe when you play your first wild card that is when you can get a bit more creative with picks from teams that are maybe new to the league new players to the league and there will be players that emerge that are in none of our teams in game week one so tip number three focus on fixtures and proven fpl assets in game week one tip number four make a captaincy matrix and update it often so what this means is i haven't done it yet but it's 
definitely something I'm going to do before game week one because I find it really helps you to focus on which premium assets you want to own at any stage of the season. So what I do with the captaincy matrix, I keep it quite simple. I, I open a, a Google document. I write down game week one, game week two, game week three, game week four. I might go up to maybe six weeks or eight weeks and be under each heading. I'll write in who I think is the best captain that week the second best captain that week. I might do the top three captains in that game week. And then when I look at it over a course of six or eight game weeks, it'll show me who pops up the most often. For example, Salah might pop up as the best captain in maybe six of the first eight game weeks. And in that case, I need to own him because I'm going to captain him very often. So in terms of captaincy as well, I think the main thing here is the mistake I made a couple of seasons ago was I made the captaincy matrix. I used it probably for the first, maybe even the first 30 game weeks. It was doing quite well for me. My captaincy points were really good. And then for whatever reason, I just got out of the habit and I stopped doing it for the last eight or 10 game weeks. And it, it, it made an impact. My captaincy points kind of dropped off a little bit towards the end of the season. So if you are using a captaincy matrix, the key is to update it often. Maybe say to yourself, after every four game weeks, I'm going to update it or after every eight game weeks or something like that because things will change. When it's on the subject of captaincy, keep it simple with captain picks over the course of the season. Captain a premium asset with a favorable fixture. If you do that for 38 game weeks, you should end up with a pretty healthy total score from your captain. So looking at again at those fixtures for the first four or five game weeks, the standout captaincy candidates are Salah, Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, Harry Kane and Hyungman Son. So you probably want to own at least two of those players. Some people will try and fit in three. At the moment, I'm looking at fitting in just two and trying to spread the cash around a little bit more. I think you do have to take a lot of shortcuts to try and fit in three premiums. So at the moment, I'm leaning towards two. At the moment, it's probably Salah. Salah's almost a definite in my squad. And Harry Kane is currently winning the race over Holland. But I haven't ruled out De Bruyne or Son just yet. Tip number five. Wait until Friday night slash Saturday morning to make your transfers. And my notes here say information is a lot more important than team value. I think team value, you know, building team value over the course of a season is overrated. I've always waited until a Friday night or a Saturday morning to make my transfers because I like getting all of that information in particular from the press conferences on a Thursday and a Friday before I make my decision on who I bring in and also who I captain. So I always say to people, don't worry too much about team value because there's always a solution. If you get priced out of a player, just go for the next best option. And it's quite often the second option might end up being a better pick anyway. So the only caveat here, and I always say this, is the early weeks of the season because the market is crazy. You'll find, if you're new to the game, player prices will rise and fall quite quickly over the first three or four game weeks, and then it will calm down as some managers drop out of the game. The other thing about the first three or four game weeks is there's no Champions League or Europa League, so it's less risky to make an early transfer. So let's say you do go into the season with 0.0 million in your bank, and in the first game week, let's say one of your assets gets injured or suspended. And let's say the player you want to bring in is exactly the same price and you've got 0.0 million. And if that player looks like they might rise in price, don't be afraid to go early in the first maybe two or three game weeks because it's less risky. There's no chance of getting injured in a Champions League or Europa League game midweek. Of course, it can happen in training, but it's less dangerous to do so 
in the early weeks of the season. So what you'll find, what I do usually is I am open to early transfers, first maybe four weeks, and then I'll go back to my usual style of gathering all the information during the week and then make my transfer late on a Friday night or close to the deadline on a Saturday morning. Tip number six, create a watch list and update it weekly. So what I mean there is, again, this is something I've always done since my early days playing Fantasy Premier League, is on the FPL website itself or on the app, if you click on any player, you'll see at the bottom it says add to watch list. Now that's the easy part. Finding where the watch list is then is what some people find tricky. So if you go to the transfers section of the FPL website, you will see a drop down box that says all players. If you click on that box, underneath all players, you'll see watch list. So add as many players as you like to your watch list, then go click on your watch list and you will see which players are there. So what I do then each week is, once all the games are finished, first of all, I go to my watch list and I remove any players I'm no longer interested in. They might have picked up an injury, they might be out of form, they might have lost their place. And then I go through all 20 teams and I sort by round score. So I check what points they've scored that week. And I will add whichever players to the watches that I'm interested in buying in the near future. Now, at the start of the season, my watch list is quite big, obviously. And as the season progresses, I like to keep it around maybe between 20 and 30 players. I don't bother with goalkeepers because that's a position I don't tend to change too much. But I, I've always just found that a watch list is quite useful because when it comes to making my transfers on a Friday night, I will always buy a player from my watch list. I will not go and look through all the teams or search for a player's name. It helps me to avoid bandwagons. It gives you tunnel vision for the players that you are interested in. It helps you to avoid you know, getting caught up in, in social media hype uh, for, for certain players and stuff like that. So watch list is very, very useful. Tip number seven, don't overreact to a bad game week. We all have them. Don't make knee-jerk transfers. Don't panic. The Premier League and football in general, it's very unpredictable. Anything can happen in any single game week. Variance is always very high when it's just one game week. You can have a fantastic team on paper and they can go out and score 25 FPL points in total. And the very same team can go out the following week with no transfer, same captain, and could score 100 points. That is just the way this game week works. I always say the person who wins FPL will have a few bad game weeks. So we all have them, but it's how you deal with them is the most important thing. So when you do have a bad game week, just take it on the chin, log out of FPL for a couple of days. Don't make transfers on a Sunday or Monday because you'll be on tilt and you'll make emotional transfers. Come back to it a couple of days later, Thursday, Friday, with a fresh head, fresh perspective, and you'll make a much better decision. So be prepared for bad game weeks because you will have them over the season. But say to yourself, when I do have them, I'm not going to overreact and I'm just going to make sensible decisions for the game week afterwards. Tip number eight Keep the chips for the second half of the season. So new managers to the game. Again, we get a bench boost chip, which means all 15 players score points for one game week. Triple captain. Your captain gets triple points instead of double for one game week. And the free hit chip. You can make a brand new team for one game week and then your team goes back to the way it was after that. So this season is not a traditional season because there is a World Cup in the middle. 
but we're hoping that there won't be any, fingers crossed, COVID postponements this season. So what that means is we can keep our chips for the second half, which is what we would have done in more normal seasons. So if you're new to the game, it can be quite tempting to, you know, bench boost triple captain quite early in the season. Best thing to do is just forget that you have them and just leave them sitting there for the second half of the season. We often get double game weeks. We, we always get double game weeks. And what that means is in the second half of the season, some game weeks will have more than 10 fixtures. You could have 16 fixtures in a game week, which means lots of your players will play twice and they can get 180 minutes instead of 90. And that is the ideal time to use a triple captain or a bench boost. Lots of people talk about possibly bench boosting in game week one, but I don't like it because you've got no information on team lineups from you know a previous game week. You know, we're game week zero at the moment. So I don't like a bench boost in game week one. So I do advise keeping it for a double game week later in the season. And likewise, free hit can be used either in a double game week or in a blank game week. So a blank game week is when you might only have four or five fixtures. Lots of your players don't play. So what you can do that week is free hit in 11 players and then get your normal team back afterwards. So sit on the chips for the second half of the season. Tip number nine, be careful with FPL Twitter if you use it. FPL Twitter is absolutely huge. Now there is thousands and thousands of FPL accounts on there talking FPL every day. Be careful with Twitter is what I will say. It can become quite addictive and try not to spend too much time on there. I always try and say reduce the noise. One way I do it is I follow about 500 accounts and it's all FPL related stuff. I don't use Twitter for anything else. About 500 accounts, but you can create a list on Twitter, which is very, very handy. So I've got a list of maybe 20 or 25 managers slash FPL accounts that are really, really useful for information or opinions from really good managers that I like to like to read each week. So use Twitter, you know, to make your experience with Twitter as good as possible by creating lists. If you follow way too many people and you don't want to try and unfollow loads of them to clean up your timeline, create a list with a small number of managers, you know, people like Ben Crellin, Ben Dennery for injury news and fixture news and all that kind of stuff and follow people that you like. And then also on the flip side of that, if there's someone you follow and they post a lot of rubbish or they post loads of stuff that you don't want to see if it's nothing to do with FPL. And if you don't want to be rude and unfollow them, just press mute because that means you won't see their content anymore. They don't know that and you haven't upset anyone by unfollowing them either. So use the mute function as well. And in extreme cases, if someone is nasty or says something they really shouldn't, just block them. They have no right to see your content if they are not a nice person. That is the nicest way I could have said that without swearing. I don't swear very often. So yeah, be careful with FPL Twitter. Don't spend too much time on it and you know, use it to your advantage. The way I think of FPL Twitter nowadays is I use it for information mainly. It's an information source. I, when I go on the app, I click on list. I only see 20 or 25 accounts. So within a minute and a half or two minutes, I've seen everything I need to see. And I can get out of there and I don't get trapped down rabbit holes and stuff like that. Because if you do spend a lot of time on social media, it's not just Twitter, you know, Reddit, you know, forums, all that kind of stuff. It can cloud your judgment if you spend too much time, you know, looking at other people's teams and stuff like that. So follow the right people and use that mute function if you need to. Tip number 10. This is probably the one I want you to take away most of all. Play it your way. 
play FPL your way, play it the way you want to play it, whether it be you know, watching lots of games, looking at lots of stats, using algorithms or models, if you want to take lots of points hits, if you want to take very few points hits, if you want to captain premiums, if you want to be take risks with your captains, there is no right or wrong way to play this game. And the, the most fun way to play it, and you will get the most out of it, is if you stick to your game and be true to yourself, and you back yourself and you back your decisions and you back your research, that way the game will not be very frustrating. The most frustrating thing is if you follow someone's advice on a podcast or a YouTube or something like that and it doesn't go right, you're annoyed because you think, why did I follow them when I should have probably went with my own instinct? So don't get clouded by what other people say. By all means, you know, there's so much good content out there, but always make sure you're making your own decisions when it comes to a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Uh, I always say, don't try to be someone you're not. So I am a manager who is very boring, very patient. I know if I went out and tried to be a late riser type of manager, very, very aggressive, picking outside of the box picks with captains at certain points of the season and stuff like that, more than likely it would blow up in my face because that is not the manager that I am. It doesn't suit me, my personality. It doesn't suit my play style. So I will stay true to myself this season and I will be the usual pretty patient, pretty boring manager that I have always been. But that works for me. There will be people out there who play a totally different way to me. And the beauty of it is we could both finish in the top 10 this season. So play FPL your way is the main takeaway to take away from this podcast. Moving on now to some questions from Twitter. Thanks as always to everyone who sent them in. I've picked out some of the burning questions that are on the lips of FPL managers with two weeks to go. First one is from Cheeto Chip. Is at least one 11.5 million striker essential for game week one to enable getting to any other striker with one transfer? Cheeto Chip says he likes Vardy, for example, but to upgrade the Kane or Holland would require two moves or a hit if one of them bangs and seem like a must-have for game week two. So yeah, the short answer here is yes. I think it's a very good idea to have at least one 11.5 million forward because I think we've got two that are going to be really good options this season. You've got Harry Kane and you've got Holland at Manchester City. And if you if you start with neither, it's quite hard to get there because of price points. So this is a good example of price points, like I mentioned earlier. If you have one 11.5 million striker, doesn't really matter too much which one it is. That comes down to personal preference. Let's say you go Holland and you don't fancy it after a week or two, it's quite easy to go to Kane or downgrade to someone like Vardy or even cheaper. So I do think I would recommend picking at least one 11.5 million forward. Question from Stuart Humphreys. We've all leapt on Jesus at Arsenal and Holland at City. Are we foolishly starting with two unproven strikers or does Jesus's work at City and Holland's prodigal talent break this rule? So I said earlier, I do try to avoid new players to the league in my Game Week 1 squad, but every rule has an exception. And I think Holland is an exception to this rule for the reasons I mentioned earlier. So I think he's absolutely fine as a game week one pick, but we do need to monitor pre-season and minutes and stuff like that because at the time of recording, 
which is Saturday. I think City are playing late tonight against Bayern Munich. Holland still hasn't played any football for Manchester City, so we need to monitor that over the course of between now and game week one and decide whether he is worth it or not for that opening game week. But going back to the question, Jesus and Holland, their ownership is absolutely huge. Jesus' ownership is ridiculous. I don't tend to look at ownership too much because I don't want it to influence my decisions too much, but obviously I see it on social media. Jesus' ownership is over 60%, which is absolutely crazy, but it shows you that most people think he's underpriced, and I do think he is underpriced. I do think he's a really good option, and there's a very good chance he'll be in my game week one team. Jesus, again, good price point, because if it doesn't work out, lots of other options at the same price or cheaper. So no, I don't have any issues with these two players. I think Jesus and Holland, as long as he gets some minutes before game week one, are really good options. So obviously the Community Shield the week before the season starts between Liverpool and Manchester City is going to heavily influence, I think, a lot of game week one teams. If Holland plays in that, for example, and scores, he is going to be massively owned. If he doesn't start or if there's if there's some concerns over him, Harry Kane, his ownership is probably going to grow quite a bit between now and game week one. But no, I've got no issues with Jesus or Holland, and both of them could end up in my game week one team. Question from Varmo Habanen. Due to unlimited transfers during the World Cup, are you planning to gamble more and take some risks since we will use the first wildcard earlier than usual? So yeah, because we've got unlimited transfers between game week 16 and 17, Logically, it makes sense to play the wild card maybe between game week four and game week eight, sometime around then. You could play it earlier if your game week one team is an absolute disaster in the first two or three game weeks. But I've said a few times on the podcast that I'm I'm boring, I'm patient, I don't take too many risks. But I think this season is perfectly set up with the World Cup for a more aggressive playstyle. And that is something I'm, I'm strongly considering for the first few game weeks. What I'll probably do with my game week one team is really attack the fixtures, the teams with the good fixtures, and really go heavy on double ups or triple ups from them teams. And then, you know, have in the back of my mind that I probably will wildcard maybe around game week four, game week five, game week six. I'm open to wildcarding as early as game week three or game week four if it feels like the right thing to do. So yeah, I'm just going to really attack those fixtures. Maybe I will throw in one or two more punts than I usually would in game week one, because usually in a normal season, when I build my game week one team, I'm thinking this is this could be for the long term because I might not wildcard till game week 19. So I'm making very long-term picks with my game week one squad. This season is totally different. It could be wildcard in game week three, game week four. So why not be a bit more aggressive? You've got the get out of jail card, with an early wild card this season. So yes, you might be surprised by one or two of my Game Week 1 picks, whereas before, you could almost guess what my Game Week 1 team is going to be. So I do like the idea of being a little bit more aggressive than usual. Question from Tippo. Is it too big of a risk to leave out Salah? Short answer, yes, too risky. He's too good. We know exactly what we get with Mohamed Salah. Usually 250 plus points. A very, very reliable captain who plays a promoted team in game week one. And he's got a history of performing very well against promoted teams early in the season. So yes, there is probably only three players that are definite in my team with two weeks to go until game week one. Salah's one of them. Trent is another. 
and Cancelo is the third. So yes, I do think it's too risky to leave out Salah because you know exactly what you're going to get and you can confidently captain him in quite a few of the early game weeks. Question from Mohamed Amin. Robertson or Diaz for the third Liverpool spot? So Mohamed is like me. He's going to have Salah and Trent. The question is then, do we go for Robertson? Or do we go for Luis Diaz? I think Luis Diaz is the best 8 million midfielder. But I also think Robertson is a fantastic pick at 7 million. So I'm undecided just now. I think my first two drafts had Luis Diaz in them. But I have seen quite a few drafts that are quite heavy at the back that have Trent and Robertson, you know, like a 5-3-2 formation that I really like the look of. So I will be building drafts a couple of days before the season that will have Diaz in it and I'll be building drafts that have Robertson and then I'll just see which feels best. I don't think you can really go wrong with either. Both are really, really good FPL picks for the season ahead. Question from FPL Fies. If going with a Manchester United attacker and providing Ronaldo leaves, which is the best option from Rashford, Martial or Sancho? Interesting here that Bruno Fernandes was not mentioned. That's obviously because of price. We've got Rashford at 6.5, Martial is 7, and Sancho is 7.5. All three could be very underpriced assets if Manchester United can have a decent season. I don't think they even need to have a really good season for these three to be good FPL options. A lot does depend on Ronaldo. I think they're probably all more attractive if Ronaldo leaves because there's less rotation risk for all three of them. At the moment, Rashford is in my team because he's the cheapest. I don't think there's too much between Rashford, Martial and Sancho. They all feel a little bit punty in game week one because we don't know how United are going to start under Ten Hag. Promising signs in pre-season, but again, I'm not putting too much weight on that. So if in doubt, go for the cheapest and then reassess it on the wild card. So Rashford, for me at the moment, I would probably put Sancho seconds and Martial third. Question from FPL Prem Tipster, about 6 million defenders. Do you pick a Manchester City defender with it being a better defence and having better fixtures, or a Chelsea defender with a higher attacking output? Diaz slash Laporte versus James slash Chilwell. So... On these four in particular, first of all, I think Cancelo is the best pick of all. I think he will be in a lot of teams and he'll definitely be in my team. If you're looking for a 6 million defender between Diaz, Laporte, James and Chilwell, I would rate James at the top at the moment because I've got concerns over quite a lot of the others. Laporte, there was reports on The Athletic this week that he may not be ready for the start of the season. They're also being careful with Ruben Diaz because of his injury issues towards the end of last season. And Chilwell's coming back off a very long injury, so maybe eased back into action as well. So by process of elimination, that leaves Rhys James as, I think, the most likely starter uh, for multiple games over the first couple of game weeks. So I would be leaning towards James over Chilwell, Diaz and Laporte at the moment. Final question for this week is from Shaswat Gupta. Who is the best 4.5 million goalkeeper? So I've had a look. All the 4.5 million options are Ray at Brentford, Sanchez at Brighton, Pickford at Everton, Melier at Leeds and Henderson at Nottingham Forest. So when the game launched, 
everybody jumped on David Raya. Then Brentford signed Strakosha, and there are some doubts over David Raya. I think they got beat 4 or 5 nil today as well, which doesn't bode very well for their defence and David Raya. Sanchez at Brighton, good underlying numbers defensively for Brighton for the past two seasons. He's not the most exciting goalkeeper, but he is quite cheap. Pickfords, I don't have a lot of faith in Everton defensively. Same goes for Melier at Leeds. I need to see a little bit more of Leeds and all, all the new sign-ins before I can make a judgment there. Henderson, we know, is a really good goalkeeper, but Nottingham Forest might struggle in the first couple of game weeks with all the new sign-ins that they have made. So I, I think if you are going for a 4.5 goalkeeper, for me, it's probably between Rea and Sanchez. I do expect Rea to start the season as Brentford's number one. They've got really good fixtures. Brighton do have good fixtures as well. So I think it is between those two. And if I had to choose, I think I probably would go Rea, but it's very close between him and Sanchez. And you can tell by the way I've answered this question that I'm not really keen on any of the 4.5 goalkeepers. I'm looking to spend more on that position in game week one than I usually do. Every season, I usually just spend 4.5 on my goalkeeper, set and forget until I play my first wildcard. This season, partly because the first wildcard is likely to be used earlier, I like the idea of going for a premium goalkeeper because they're a little bit cheaper this year uh, and buying yourself the information of the first few game weeks. And then when you play your first wildcard, you can decide if any of these 4.5 million goalkeepers are worth it. That goes for the 5 million guys as well. So I'm leaning towards Ederson as my game week one goalkeeper. I'm pretty set on that. Unless when I start doing some proper tinkering that I need an extra 0.5 or an extra 1 million, that's the only reason I'll consider downgrading. But I think if I was downgrading from Ederson, I'd, I'd look at the 5 million guys first, probably Mendy. And only if I'm really stuck for cash will I go for a 4.5 million goalkeeper. I just don't think any of them are fantastic picks for the first couple of game weeks. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and give it a retweet on Twitter. If you'd like to support me as a full-time FPL content creator and get lots of content along the way, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general before game week one. Happy tinkering and I'll talk to you again next Monday for the big Game Week 1 preview pod. Thank you for listening. The Athletic.